0: My Comic Shop History is a Flat Squirrel production. Please visit flatsquirrelproductions.com to explore my other projects, including My Comic Shop Documentary, By Spoon, The Jay Mizell Story, and the forthcoming Wacky Man, The Rise of a Puppeteer. Be sure to subscribe to My Comic Shop History on iTunes and catch up on Season 1. Like My Comic Shop History on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at Desi Westside. Likes, ratings, and reviews are always greatly appreciated. Thank you for listening and continuing to support this show. Welcome to My Comic Shop History Live from Undiscovered Realm Comic Con. I am your host Anthony Desiato, and I am joined here. Oh, thank you. I'm joined here by Mr. Brian O'Day. Howdy. And Marvel's Chris DeLando. Hello. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. Delando, when I uh, asked you to be on this, I got a very stern uh, email from Marvel, legal, telling me that yeah. I had to introduce you as Marvel's Chris Delando. That was the only way that they would let you be on the show. Is that actually true? Yeah. Really? No. no. <laughs> you can't even talk on Google, man. You can't do that. Well, Marvel, legal, they are, they don't mess around. Yeah, so they not. Like, they it's do. possible. Uh, I do just want to thank uh, Chris Wilcock and Undiscovered Realm, you know, for having us here. They're the ones who organized this comic book convention, uh, so it's really exciting. Yeah, uh, so they did a great job. <laughs> they did a great job with the show, and we're really happy to, to be here. Uh, but so this is a first for this show. This is the first time that the show has been done in front of an audience and um, and at a comic convention. So uh, you know, thank you to those of you who came out to this. We really appreciate it. Um, For those of you who might be new to My Comic Shop History, if you've never listened to the show before, uh, just to give you like a quick two-minute background on this, uh, and it's especially fitting to talk about it, uh, where the show came from uh, in light of where we are. So we're recording at the Westchester County Center in White Plains, New York, and uh, we're just a couple minutes away from the former site of Alternate Realities, which is the original comic shop in My Comic Shop History. Uh, so, uh, almost a year ago, uh, Alternate Realities uh, closed after 23 years, and this podcast was, was born out of that. Uh, it started, I wanted to talk about the store and what it had meant to all of us over all of these decades. Uh, and so we talked about it over 12 episodes and a Christmas special. We kind of relived the store's yeah. highs and lows uh, as we chronicled the, the final
1: days. There weren't of both.
0: Yes. <laughs> there were so, if you've never heard the show, the show before, um, all the episodes are online. They're on iTunes. I encourage you to, to listen to them. Um, if not, that's okay. Uh, this new season, uh, is, we're starting fresh with a new focus on uh, comic book collecting and all of the issues that come with it within that world of collecting. Is that a pun?
1: Issues? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it is now.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. um, but, you know, just to kind of you know, again, take one last look at, at where we've been. Uh, my favorite television show of all time is Smallville, and we're going <laughs> that'll come up in the course of this podcast. Uh, but in the series finale of that show, the spirit of Jonathan Kent, Clark's adoptive father, says to Clark right before Clark accepts his heroic destiny to always hold on to Smallville, to always hold on to this place where Clark discovered who he was and became the man that he needed to be. And in a similar way, I, and, and probably you guys, and some of you in this audience, you know, we will always hold on to alternate realities. So that's sort of always in the background as we move forward when we talk about these new topics and themes uh, in the new season of My comic Shop History. I still
2: call The Store. I still refer to it as The Store. Yeah. I've never
1: lost that name. It's The Store. I should yeah. also note that some of us took very different things away from the finale of Smallville, some less passive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you've heard that much, to be honest with you. I just remember, like, the whole flying with
2: the Earth thing It was just like... eh,
0: Okay. Done. <laughs> Hold that for what? Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, the show had its ups and downs. Just like alternate realities. There's a pattern here in terms of the things I like, I guess. Okay, so, sort of my thesis for this episode, and what I want to talk to you guys about, is the idea of passion, generally. The passion that fuels one's collection. Um, but more specifically, uh, our first impressions and our introductions to this hobby. Because I feel, and I wanna get your, your take on this, I feel like um, those first introductions really shape and inform the sort of collectors you know, that we go on to, to become. So with that in mind, uh, I have some props today, being that uh, we have some audience members here, we're not strictly uh, an auditory <laughs> project today. Um, And it's sort of uh, an evolution of my history, my comic shop history, uh, as a collector. So over here at the far end is the Kenner Superpowers Superman action figure uh, that came out in the 80s. Now, certain collectors will be familiar with this line of toys. It was very popular. The quality and and quantity of the figures that they did, it it was pretty impressive, especially for the time. Uh, they were based on the uh, the Super Power, the Super Friends uh, television show. This is not the Yeah, this is not the original figure that I had. Um, that one was lost to, to time and my playing with it and pretty much destroying it. But uh, during law school, I was getting a bit nostalgic, and so I went on eBay and I was able to procure a, a, a mint in package um, uh, version of of that Superman figure, and and it's meant a lot to me and. I think it was because of that first action figure that when I saw this, (laughs) my first comic book, uh, The Death of Superman, that there was that connection in my mind because I had the action figure and I knew who the character was and um, I think for that reason this resonated more with me and I got my parents to buy it for me and read it to me and you know I became a Superman fan and collector and as you see over the rest of this table that's continued. not a huge action figure person, but uh, I had to make sure that I got the Clark Kent Smallville action figure. And uh, more recently, uh, my fiance and I have gotten very into the pop vinyl figures. It's a bad addiction. It's,
1: it's a, a real, real bad addiction. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's
0: a a bad
2: never ending. <laughs> yeah. It is like they find someone's like, oh, you think you're out? And there's no, here, this little $10 collectible. All right, no problem, 10 bucks, and you're done. And then they're like, oh, now
1: I need the rest of them. Like any collector, you're like, I can't have this one. Is that the whole series? And for some reason, you just end up picking them up somewhere. Like I've ended up buying. I think I bought three of them, and yet somehow I have thirty of them. I don't know. Like I've just, just been given twenty or yeah, exactly. I have I two you today. You just accumulate them somehow. Yeah. How many are you up to, Brian? I got rid of a bunch, but I was up to two hundred. Wow! Ooh. Holy
2: crap! I counted. I got rid of sixty of them. Till I got rid of sixty of them lately. As like. I was like, I have to narrow this out. I'm just running out of space, so yeah. I was like, I have like all Dragon Ball Z, I have a lot of Batmans, I have almost, I have every Joker except the one like clown-ass um, Joker one. I have every Captain America one. I have a couple of Thors. I, just, the line goes down and on. So it's just like, let me just clean
1: up a bit. I have all the Star Wars ones. Well, that's a good point, I think we'll get to that eventually, is that a lot of our collecting is probably shaped by the space we have for it nowadays. I know mine certainly is, and, and my collecting habits have changed over, over the years, um, just by nature of what I actually want to keep and hang on to, and what's actually important to me, or just to just get rid of or sell on eBay, or, you know, there's just so much crap. There's I have. whole of aspect
2: years. of collecting for me when it started, like, collecting now is not the same as when I first started collecting. Now you can go on eBay and get whatever you want. There was a hunt, like literally a hunt to go. We would go to different shows. Okay, we can find. If you got one or two issues of a of, of back issues, it was like a win. Like yeah, now, fine. it's just like, oh, okay, I cheated. There's your go take my money, and I have in a couple of days instant gratification. It's like there's no no thrill to hunt anymore. And, I, that's something I miss. It's like
1: completing a run. Of yeah, something.
2: exactly. That's why I like. I mean, I do have a, a big comic list collection, which
0: is crazy. But well, like, we're we're gonna get to your list. No, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> that's fine. I have it in my pocket. If you want to see it, it, it has been revised. Um, well, it's funny. This Superman pop. This was the first pop figure that I bought, and I actually bought it here at the county center at a comic convention that took place here a couple couple years ago. And uh, again, as I said, I'm up to about 80 now, so it, you know it's just continued, but it started with Superman. And then the final piece, um, to kind of bring it all full circle, uh, I just celebrated my, my 29th birthday, and uh, two people from the alternate realities community, one of whom is in the audience, Mr. Rich Roney, uh, the other one being the store's former owner, Steve Odo, uh, each independently got me the Kotobukiya uh, Superpower Superman action figure. These are larger scale replicas of of the original. So I ended up with two. One is out, the other one is still in the box sealed where I guess it will remain. Um, but again, you kind of, you know, this has been, these are rep- you know representations of my progression as a collector and Superman's been at the heart of it. Superman is where it started for me and uh, so I guess that's kind of a good you know, jumping off point. I'm curious, you know, for each of you, maybe we'll start with you, Brian, about what was your introduction to this world? How did this start for you?
2: So originally, I had a long, you sent you know, an email for a little prepper, and I had a long think about it. I used to think it was that I went to my godmother's son's like uh, house and saw all these comic books and picked up a Spider-Man book, but I remember when, uh, how old I was and that that really wasn't the case. I was actually younger, and I was watching the Batman '60s. Adam West always he left. All right, he left.
0: I, don't know. I wasn't even cursing this time either. We had uh, one of our former alternate realities customers who was here in the audience in a Batman costume, uh, but he made it. He disappeared, much like Batman. He, like, he looked up and he was gone. But uh, yeah, so
2: uh, it was the '1960s uh, Batman show um, with Adam West and. That's pretty much how I f- was first introduced, and then later on, the cartoons and the Super Friends, that was, it. that was how I was introduced. You would watch like, uh, Nickelodeon, or whatever it was on at the time, and gradually moved into books. I mean, the first book I know was a Spider-Man book. That I, was, I was about six years old, and I picked up the Spider-Man book. But like, my mother would tell me, because I had asked my mother, she's like, no, you were watching Batman when you were, not even that, Just like, Occupy Time. So, I think that's how my love of Batman and, and eventually turned into when I got older and understood what the Joker was about, and then to realize what Cesar Romero was doing as a Joker is like, okay. And the many different aspects and how deep the, the character was, and, how, how, and really what the depth of the character is, and that people haven't even delved into
0: yet. Although I'm not looking forward to the Jared Leto Joker, but that's a different story. All right, to be fair, you weren't looking forward to the Heath Ledger Joker yet, yeah, how do you get Heath Ledger? Well, you might be surprised again.
2: I already don't like him, he has tattoos. I already don't like it. I already don't like him, he My
0: has tattoos.
1: Is. He's edgy if he doesn't have
0: tattoos. Oh yeah, because he's the
2: emo joker.
0: Yeah, okay, that's gonna be really good. Brian, how did you get into Thor? Okay, we just got a uh, question um, from the audience. We got a Q&A, Q&A thing. Rich, Rich Roney jumped right to the Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> so the question was, uh, how did you get into Thor?
2: Thor came about uh, from the old Hulk show, and they did the movie. And Thor was one of the first guys that Hulk was fighting. So when that, I mean, it was they were terrible, terrible things. But when you're a kid, it was very impressionable, and that that's how same thing with Captain America. That terrible motorcycle, that terrible suit. They had like the rat, like morphing into. Red Skull it was, it was awful, I, just, I mean, those were so, so bad, but that's how I got introduced to those characters. It, 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 I mean, television was a big part of it, but then when I, obviously when I learned where a comic book shop was and how I got older, I would take these, I would take the books, and like, again, my, my godmother's son, he had all these books, I would, every time I we went to the house, I would take Thor, Captain America, Spider-Man, he didn't really, have, he, was a, he was a big Marvel person. So you have all those books. So all those books from the, the early '80s is really what I was reading, which probably wasn't the best reading material at the time. But it was something that I loved, and it was you know it looked like a cartoon to me, I guess at the time. And that's why you know my parents were happy I was just reading something and not watching TV. It's pretty really what, what what it came down
0: to. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You bring up a, a good point, and this was something that I was going to get to later, but you mentioned, um, you know, you, you watched it. and It was terrible. But, you know, you were a kid and you enjoyed it. And I do think that the age that you get into this stuff uh, really does have a lot to do with it. Um, my favorite, Chris, my favorite Marvel character is Spider-Man. And I got into Spider-Man during a period of time that most Spider-Man fans probably don't remember well, and that's the clone saga
1: which was a largely reviled two-year storyline. <laughs> I remember mean, it was supposed to be like like eight months or something, right? It just ballooned to two years. Well, well
2: I mean, they had so many, like, we didn't know who the real one was at one point. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, so this is Peter Parker, this is Ben Riley, this is
0: Kane, I, I don't even know, do I have all of them? Jackal and Punisher show up at some point. Traveler. Yeah, it was I'm, a very yeah. convoluted storyline, but that was how I got into Spider-Man, and I, you know, again, I feel like I was probably at the right age. I was old enough that I could wrap my head around clones,
1: but not too old that I was like, this is stupid. But it's funny you mention that because that stuff is so universally reviled, but I think it hit us all at the right age. And I have nothing but nostalgia for it. I I go back now and it's, it's, it's But I remember reading it as a kid and thinking it was the coolest thing in the world. Like, there's all these different Spider-Man clones running around, and then he was the... uh, There was the Identity Crisis thing when he was, you remember, this Ricochet, (laughs) Slingers, and all that stuff. Like, it's awful, it's so bad, but for some reason, I don't know, you were just at that impressionable young age. They brought... that's when, But that's when, like, the Cosmic stuff came back as well. Like, they did Infinity Infinity
2: War and all that. That's when, like, there was a big Silver Surfer influx. I mean, all that stuff was... I guess responsible for what's coming up now, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, like all the Marvel movies now, and we all say that's bad, but you know some of those stories
1: were decent. They were they weren't terrible. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm I was born in the late '80s, um, so what was really influential on me. Getting into superheroes for the the Saturday morning cartoons and and uh, you know I felt like you were there at the same time there was the Spider Man cartoon, the X Men cartoon, and the Batman cartoon. and nice, nice. And I like I was born in the late eighties, but they I mean they hit me. I was probably around five or six when they started. Yeah, it's ninety three. What a stickler! Get your yeah, dates they, right.
2: Oh, <laughs> hey, well, well you know. You, <laughs> but we,
1: we, we can have that comic book guy here. You
2: know? <laughs> have that comic book guy here if you
1: want. I mean I go I go back and I watch. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, constantly, and it's it still holds up and it's still great. Um, I I cannot go back. I mean, I've tried to go back and watch those Spider Man cartoons. Those cartoons they're they're not great. The animation quality is is pretty bad, and the voice acting is pretty bad. But the music was good. <laughs> that's true. But I, I mean, when you're a kid, that stuff doesn't really. I didn't really notice the difference. Now that I'm an adult, I can really appreciate the nuance of the of the Batman stuff. But. For me, as a kid, the Spider-Man cartoon and the X-Men cartoon were were the end all, be all. I had to be home to watch it every day. I had so many action figures. I had action figures from characters from the X-Men cartoon that I didn't even know who the hell they were. I remember <laughs> I had like I had an action figure of uh, Chao. You remember like the guy from the from the <laughs> Shi'ar? He looked like a, like a lizard Hulk kind of. I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but whatever. The X-Men can punch him, you know. Uh, but it, it it was so influential on me as a kid that when I eventually walked into a comic shop and saw X-Men comics, I was like, oh, there's a whole new world for me to dive into, and, and that was it. Um, and, I, and one thing that was very cool about those shows was they were very current with what was going on in the comics. Like, right. uh, like Cable shows up in like the third or fourth episode of the X-Men cartoon. He'd yeah. been around for like two years at that point, probably even less. And and like uh, the Spider-Man cartoons were doing Clone Saga stuff and Venom and Carnage stuff, and that was all like yeah. very fresh and very recent. Yeah, that's crazy! Yeah, I almost did a
0: documentary about that Spider-Man cartoon. It didn't work out, no,
1: but almost. <laughs>
2: whoa, 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 what, what was the whole? message? Were you gonna do, like
0: you watching
2: the, the like doing a marathon
0: watching or something like that? Like that? It make a commentation? <laughs> that would have been a boring documentary. No. I reached out to uh, the, the head writer on the show who runs, he runs the Facebook page for for the cartoon and uh, I reached out to him and we spoke at length and we were going to move forward and then I proposed a budget that, for the record, I feel was in line with what we had spoken about. But no. he was like, nope. And then that was it. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I, for a little while I was very excited about it. I know, we, I spoke to yeah, you about it and I to get a little advice from you. But
2: they got that Ultimate Spider-Man shield. Disney yeah. or whatever it
0: is. But, nevertheless, uh, I still have very fond memories of that cartoon. Uh, yeah, I don't know how well it would hold up today. Every now and then, like, I watch like, clips or something on YouTube. It's not great. Not as the spectacular Spider-Man cartoon. That fun. That, man, I really think, enjoyed, I, I would revisit, you know, first. But, it's interesting. For all three of us, um, it wasn't a comic book itself that that got us started it was something for a toy you know tv show cartoon you know and then we we made our way to the comics so I, I do think that's interesting and that's probably part of the reason why you know i think this focus on on collecting is interesting these things that first you know hook us so for you it was it was the cartoons oh yeah absolutely
1: and then um i remember i mean i had gotten you know remember they did like uh x-men adventures and they, they did comics based off of the cartoons themselves but i remember my first Real experience with in line sort of Marvel Universe comics, just walking into a bookstore. This is probably 1995, 1996, and seeing a very early like your death, of Superman, like a very early trade paperback of Maximum Carnage, um, and I was like, whoa, I have to buy this. And it was tw- I remember it was twenty six dollars, which is is a Scrooge McDuck money pit when you're like seven <laughs> years old. You're like, I'm never going to get twenty six dollars. So I remember saving every penny I could literally pennies like like a jar of change and just giving it to my dad being like go, go buy this please and it had this it had a new cover it had like a Mark Bagley cover of Spider-Man Venom and Carnage that I still have to this day oh, wow. um, I mean I've owned Maximum Carnage in very many different iterations since then but I, I read this thing cover to cover until it was it, it is falling apart it is like held together I mean, tape, as we so speak you? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know like <laughs> and then and it was that was it. I was in it was it was a drug after that. Ninja
2: Turtles as well, man. That was another big thing. That's yeah, you that. know what's funny?
1: Kids our age, uh, when we were kids, like the Ninja Turtles cartoon was it. But I don't. I never really knew anybody growing up who read the Ninja Turtles comics.
2: Oh, I don't either. Yeah. I only found. I, I didn't even know it was a comic until yeah, like, I got understood, understood so, that like oh, it was the,
1: the Yeah, comics. I found them much like, later cool. in life. Uh, but I, I, they never really advertised the comic books when I was kid. Maybe it was because more adult material, but who knows.
2: But then there's also like then you had like the Scooby-Doo with the, the you know, the Justice League and all
1: that stuff or it was Batman and Ron at the time. and uh, Oh yeah, like, you know, Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo meets Sandy Duncan oh, and yeah. the Globetrotters. But I mean like, they, you would
2: see that all the time, like when you were growing like constantly. And then like the Looney Tunes cartoons, and, you know, Mickey Mouse Theater and all that, that's, that's all that stuff in the early 80s. Like with the clicker for the cable, you had to click to each channel. I was like, I don't know if you I guess it's before your time, maybe I'm dating myself here. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Maybe I'm dating myself, I'll give my age. But yeah, it was like eighty-nine was Batman the movie, the Tim Burton Batman movie. Yeah. I remember going to see that in the movie theater. That was one of the first movies I actually remember going to see that. And I remember it was like I was in awe when the when the you know, the Batman came over, I was like, wow, that was like, that was one of the coolest things ever. I, I to this day I still love that scene where, like, Batman goes and grabs the balloons and it's like, it just flies up and, you know, bat symbol. It's always been a, a great scene, like, a favorite scene of mine. I can watch that
1: part scene all, over and over again. My Batman movie, as a kid, was Batman Forever, because that was just the age I was at. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. for, you. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm sorry for you. That's
0: terrible. It's not very well regarded. I mean, neither, neither this is the original Batman, it's like, yeah. okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. So now for you, you know, starting off watching the Adam West mm-hmm. show, I mean, how do you like and this might be impossible to answer because your whole life you've been you've been following this stuff, but if you were to watch it now for the first time, I mean do you think it would it would hook you or do you think it was the, you know, the fact uh, I that you were because was like, it's so campy at this yeah. point, I wouldn't watch
2: it? I mean I don't know, it depends if I would have the same love of the books or anything, right. like the, of the characters. Maybe I would. I mean like I enjoy Gotham and Batman's not even there. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, like Gotham is, I think, is a very good show. Some people will tell me it's terrible. I hear I, that too. I heard it today, but I like I, it a lot. I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, to each his own, I guess. I mean, maybe because people don't like uh, Ben, whatever his name is. They can't separate him from his OC character. Oh, yeah, OC character is right. Um, and you know, uh, I don't know. I, like. The shows today are pretty good. You know, a lot of people have everybody's has an opinion. Let's, you know, the internet. Everybody, you gave, gave everybody a voice, which really happened. People can't even form their own opinions about stuff. This is why I, I enjoy like have, sitting down with the guys. And, you know, we go to dinner and we can actually have a discussion about. Okay, well, did you like it? Like Phil Hussein hates the Flash or hates whatever uh, Grant whatever his name
1: is. I don't know. His lesson, Grant Gustin, yeah, and he's not old. a fan. So he's not a fan. He thinks he's very very wooden. I mean, I I watched the first few episodes of Gotham and didn't really care for it, but I find people telling me what's happening on it fascinating, because it just, it sounds like the fever dream of a guy who has read a few Batman comics and thinks he knows what's up, like, it's just, I find it hysterically funny. Well, you know, it is and what it is. Someone sent me a gif of, like, Alfred just, like, knocking out Catwoman, she's, like, nine years old, so it's yeah. just, like, this old guy just what? decking this girl in the face, what is and funny? I just... <laughs>
2: I don't, I, know, I don't know what's off, going on. Because I think the timing is off on a lot of the, the way the villains are, are portrayed. Because, I mean, the whole thing was the whole Batman ambiance is, is did the villains create Batman or did Batman create the villains? I think that, that's something they're missing in the show. Uh, even though, that, I mean, Gotham is the town, Gotham is a character, much like, you know, uh, New York was a character in uh, your favorite show. What was it? Su- uh, not Suicide, Burnout, no, not burgers. Which, no, Captain Wycom- America. Yeah. Know. So there you go. So like, Gotham, they're playing off of that. Like, Gotham is a character in the show, which I get, which is which is I think done very well, and especially since it's shot in Brooklyn. I think anything that's shot in Brooklyn, you know, they have great scenery. How you know how they tie into the, you know the background of showing Gotham nice as New York, you know, which is technically what it's supposed to be. Not that I thought Gotham in New York in the Batman vs Superman movie was any good, but you know, and that I could see Metropolis and from, you know, that kind
0: of, anyway, that could be a whole podcast on a movie. We might have to do a podcast on that. More and more, I feel like I might need to do that. Uh, But anyway, so all right, so we have our introductions. For me, it's a toy, you know, cartoon, TV show. You know, at what point do you make that transition? You know, I'll toss it to you first, Chris.
1: You know, at what point do you make that
0: transition to you're a collector? You consider yourself a collector.
1: I don't know. It didn't. It uh. It didn't happen overnight. Uh, I I just remember. Um. You know, a lot of the theme of this podcast is just sort of how we've grown into collectors and and what kind of uh what shape that's taken. And for me, it was always just I gotta I gotta read more comics. I gotta consume more of these. You know what's happening. I have to know the stories. I have to know the mythology. So that that just the collecting came second. It was always um, just reading more, taking more in. And I think that's sort of uh, informed the collector I became today because, I mean, I know we'll get to my job and how that's affected me, but my collecting nowadays is less single issues and more trade paperbacks and hardcovers and, and just sort of having a really nice version of a story that I enjoy. Um, I, 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 For a while, it was, you know, long boxes upon long boxes upon long boxes, and I just... I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I, I once they're in a bag, like I never pull an issue out again to read it. It's just it, it never, it, it's never fun. It doesn't. It doesn't feel good to me. I enjoy sitting there with a book and reading it. And and so for me, it was always just how can I get more comics to read them, you know? And and over the years, that just sort of through buying comics to read them, I just like all of a sudden woke up and said, holy. You know, holy crap! I have a huge collection of comics. So I mean, that was really it. And, and now that I'm older, it's become how do I jettison those because I don't, I actually don't have space for them anymore. Um, I just have a closet full of short boxes that my parents are yelling at me to get out of the basement.
0: So was it? I mean, even to this point, I mean, I know you mentioned the pops, but is it still primarily comics
1: or have you gotten into statues and and toys and things like that? Yeah, I mean, like premium collectibles here and there, like I've got a couple pops, I've got some, you know, some statues, some toys here and there. Um, It's more like one-off, so I'm not like, I gotta own all these pop vinyls. Like I I bought, uh, like last year, I bought both of the uh, like Toys R Us reissued a bunch of the old Power Rangers, like Megazords, I like re those. I, I was so tempted by them. that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do it, but I was tempted. And I have more more Mondo posters that I like, like really nice limited edition movie posters that I have money or wall space to support. Um, so a bunch of them are just sitting in tubes. But I mean, every once in a while. The, the surefire way to get me to buy something is to put a clock on it and be like, if you don't get this now, you're not going to be able to get it. Um, and then also I'll just buy things that I don't need. Um, and they'll just sit around my apartment, which is really tiny. <laughs> like really, really tiny. So I'm just one day I'm just going to die in an avalanche of collectibles in boxes. So. Fair enough. Uh, and actually, so that sparks something else.
0: So since your collection is focused mostly on uh, comic books, I'll ask you this. There's going to be a whole episode devoted to being a completist and having to have every issue in a, in a series and all of that. But just to kind of, I guess, maybe tease that, I mean, what sort of, you know, comic book collector are you? I mean, do you? I mean, I'm assuming you probably have never missed an issue if you could help it. But I mean, I mean is that something that's really important to you? And and even beyond that. Um, like dropping titles and things like that. Like, will you keep reading something? I guess maybe prior to your job, because now yeah, you have to. Yeah, no. have to. <laughs> but prior to that, I mean, um, would you keep reading something even if you weren't into it, just to have the run? The,
1: the like, the perennial stuff, yes. So, like, Amazing Spider-Man, yes. Like, Uncanny X-Men, yes. Like, I rode those through the dark times, you know, and I'm sure we all did for a lot of these things, for Supermans, for Batmans. Um, some of, like, the more niche stuff, uh, not really, I mean... Daredevil has been my favorite superhero when I eventually discovered him um, at a young age like Since then I've always collected Daredevil. That's always been my thing. So I'll I would never miss a Daredevil um, I would never miss a Spider-Man or an X-Men But you know beyond that it was more like quality based like am I really enjoying reading this and and uh, you know when you're when you're a teenager and when you're in college you have to really pick and choose what what titles you're going to buy, you know, at at three or four dollars a pop, do you really want to keep reading this and buying this comic you're not actually enjoying? Um, So a lot of those sort of niche, smaller titles fell by the wayside, and then, you know, when you were reading something like Walking Dead, but you know, when it was getting big and stuff, I wouldn't miss one of those, but now it's just, now that I don't have space for single issues anymore, I just wait on the trades, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you.
0: Uh, it's funny. I mean, I guess my path was somewhat similar in that, you know, I got the, the toy, but then, you know, it was primarily comics for me for a good long while. I mean, I would get toys, but it wasn't to collect them. I played with them. I mean, okay, i was a little totally. kid, like, you know, so I wasn't looking at it, you know, from the perspective of a collector. And then it probably wasn't until college or so that I started getting into statues. Um, but prior to that, it was, it was really, you know, the comics... Uh, what about you, Brian? Where was that? Uh, you know, where did you make that jump from? I, mean, I like the Batman shows. To you know, I'm a collector. The collector in me. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, I remember going to the store on my bike to get comics. Like that. That was that was a thing. That you know, we played outside. We went to the store to get comic books. and Not like we we're stuck behind a computer now or or anything like that. Um, I kind of just. Well, I guess when I got my license is really when the transition started and started to get my first job. I started going and getting weekly books and then, you know, okay, that statue was cool. I started getting statues and statues and statues and statues and there was too much room. Thank God my parents had a big house and I could store a lot of it. And I had since gotten rid of a lot of it, but I still have a lot of it. Too much of it to say. To be honest with you, I still couldn't get rid of stuff
0: now. Well, I remember. I mean, I you know I worked at Alternate Realities a long time, and you you shopped there for many years. And I remember. I mean, you used to have a decent decent amount of stuff on hold in the back. But it's all it was all bought. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was all bought. yeah mm-hmm. that's right. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I I don't. I just
2: I don't know. I think the, the physical aspect, because just something looking nice was very attractive to me. Like, but. As I got older, and like now, it's just like I like them a lot, but it's like some of these things are way too fragile, and they like, they break so so easy. I've had I've had a lot of breakages, and this is like, well, what am I going to do? I just kind of thrown out, which unfortunate, but you know, I had a couple busts that I had to throw out, like really nice busts, like. But again, you know, these things happen. It's you know, they're not they're not toys. They're they're statues. That was another big thing, I hated people calling them toys, I'm like, I don't fucking play with
1: them, they're toys, <laughs> they're, toys. they're not toys, they're statues. Or what people would call action figures dolls. Oh my god, oh, it drives, me the yeah. it drives me nuts. That drives me nuts.
2: But no, um, but to, to uh, be on the opposite spectrum of Chris there, like, you put your books away. I have I like I like collecting old books. I don't buy any new books. I don't buy anything new now. I have I have a long disdain for what is it being put out today. To today, it's just I don't think the writing is up to caliber of what we grew up with, or even even more so maybe ten years ago. Um, just too much of the same thing. I see. I know you work for Marvel, but they're putting out Civil War two. I'm like, really? Come on, Civil War two. There There's I, a movie you know, coming out. What do you want? <laughs> I, I I understand how they're promoting it. I mean, but like. So uh, here's, the, here's the definition of a Civil War. It lasts forever until the war is over. There's no such thing as a Civil War too. It's not that our South is going to rise up again to us.
0: <laughs> you, know, like,
2: you know, it's a
0: Civil War for a reason. What about like World War II? <laughs> that's, that's a World War. That's a World War. That's a, world war. That's a world war. There's different countries. A Civil War is within one country. It right. doesn't let. No can you do anything about that title? Because Brian's, Brian's not having it. Can you call it
1: something else? It's, we're pregnant with it. It's too late. <laughs> yeah. The marketing yeah, yeah, you're materials you're have been the
2: printed. Now, the first
1: issue's off to the printer. Down the
2: rabbit hole. Although you did get Jason Campbell to do art. I mean, what do you <laughs> he's doing a cover. Is it Ryan Cover? Is oh. Mcniven doing the art again? No. Are they gonna wait nine months for another book to come out?
1: We're actually pretty oh. ahead on the book. Actually, a couple, a couple of issues in the can already. Thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. So. Again, my
2: disdain
0: for what happened back in the day and why I don't read books now. Um, but that, again, that brings up something else that I, w- I wanted to get to because in, in thinking about my own uh, history as a collector, I, I do feel like there is this, you know, this path that maybe you know you guys have followed and others have as well. Where you know you have that introduction and then you have that tipping point where you become that collector and you get really into it. But it's hard. I found it to be hard to really sustain a, that high level of interest across decades life changes changes again within you know the, the publishers and, and just you know the things that you're collecting it you know it can be really hard to 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 do that um i mean i feel like the height of my collecting has passed and kind of one of the things one of the reasons why i wanted to do this podcast and one of the things i kind of want to track over the course of these episodes is can i kind of get that back like this I, is I, a legacy i
2: think because this is going to be out there forever this is this is literally on the internet oh In the, the podcast, podcast? Yeah. yeah well no yeah yeah day, I mean, you know, in 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 reality, this is a, a legacy. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, especially Joe Rogan, and the guy's on seven hundred and sixty something episodes. The guy's a machine, and his podcasts are three hours long, which and they're fantastic. If you're if you're into that sort of thing, uh, you know, going back to this, I, I think you have a very good medium. I think you've done an awesome job on the podcast, and like this is something that you will have collected and it's spare, stored for you. It's literally, this is collected for you and the
0: store for you it takes up no space. That's you know, true. it's a click of a button. Well, I appreciate the kind words. That's actually not where I was going with that at all, but I appreciate it. Um, but what I was gonna say was, I actually filled out my first pull sheet in years, uh, wow. a couple of weeks so ago. Because, at, at Spider's Web, yeah. Because I do miss having that that rush, being excited for New Comic Book Day. So I'm curious if I can get that back. But again, as of now,
1: I do feel like the height of my collecting has passed. Um, I think it's just hard to recapture that uh, that youthful enthusiasm of it. Like I, I yeah. think, I, I mean, like, I, maybe you guys are the same way. But I can I can look back on my life as a comic reader, as a comic collector, and pinpoint the height of it, which for me was. You know, my, my early teen years, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man was coming out. Um, you know, a lot of the comics, I I have a reverence for comics of that era that I don't have now. And I'm sure if I revisit those, they may not be quality-wise as good, but the, for me that was the height of, of my interest in the medium and, and my my love for the stories and just, just uh, the wow factor for me. Of, uh, what about the reference know. for, like, the 60s and 70s books? I mean, like, I, I really, oh, I mean, I, I, you'll, I'm so excited that Jim Steranko is here. He's, like, one of my favorite artists of all time. Like, I can go back and read those, like, Fury stories every every day of my life. Um, and I think that just goes back to the, just the, what I was saying earlier about, Enjoying stories of quality and I co- collecting stories of quality that mean something to me and that I enjoy versus sort of having a long box full of, of Amazing Spider-Man issues in, in chronological order. Um, but it, it's very hard not for there. me to... <laughs> it's, not, yeah, not, it's, not, not it's not there Not you. not
0: there
1: anymore. <laughs> uh, all right,
0: so I, we, we got, I'm excited to talk about this. But before that, though, because while, while we're on this, I, this was one of the things that I wanted to ask you, Chris. because it's, uh, it's interesting to me. You know, you were able to turn your passion into a career. You work for Marvel comic books. You do marketing. I do, I do indeed. How I mean, how has it been for you, Dave? I mean,
1: are you able to sustain that interest when you you turn it into your job? Um, uh, the the diplomatic answer is is yes. I in in certain ways the the you know gun to my head. It's it's hard sometimes. You know it. it, it it's changed my love of the medium in ways that I didn't exactly predict. Um, especially something that you don't really talk about a lot in things like this is you spend all day around comic books. The last thing you want to do when you get home is read a comic. So you're a little desensitized. Yeah, absolutely, and and, and part of that comes with um, knowing the stories and knowing the endings. You know, years in advance. Like if you if you knew the ending of a movie, you you know two years from now, would you want to go see it by the time it came out? Um, and you know, the journey is sometimes more important than the destination. And I think that's what I've learned over, over my coming out three years of this job is is I've learned to appreciate different things about it. I've learned to appreciate um, different types of stories, um, you know, and, and and enjoy them in different ways. Um, it, it's But it, it can be very, very hard to sustain uh, maybe excitement is the word. Uh, I'm. I'm not. I don't enjoy comics less, but I'm certainly less excited about them. But then that that changes every once in a while when something comes along that really blows the doors off of your expectations. Um, you know, I, I read. I read every comic Marvel puts out every single week. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. It's. It's. It can be a. Tr- it can be a chore, and that and that's certainly part of it too. Because you know, when when you've spent a ten-hour day in the office and you commute two hours a day, an hour each way. Um, Really, the last thing you want to do is read a comic book when you get home. But then every once in a while, a book will come along. Like uh, just off the top of my head, I've been reading um, Tom King and and Gabriel Walters' Vision book, which is you know, it's this really Twin Peaksian, uh, him and his family, really weird, highbrow sci fi stuff. And you're like, wow, I got to read this every. Like, and you know, I'll get a stack of comics every week, and if that's in there, it goes right to the top. It's the first thing I read. Um, sometimes it's the only thing I read because it's the only thing I'm excited to read and then the rest can wait till later. Uh, so it, it it can be very, very difficult to sustain that sustain that level of excitement. Um, even you know, going into you know, you mentioned Civil War too. Um, don't hum me for spoilers, Whoa. but I know I know what's I gonna don't. happen, you know. We just <laughs> <the> guy, <laughs> <laughs> uh but there, there's some some cool aspects of the job too is is um, you know we just got done with our semi annual writers retreat. So you know we all we all get in a room and you know all the writers will fly in, Mark Waite, Brian Michael Bendis, Jeff Lemire, those guys. And and you know they'll sit in a room for three days and and, and talk talk story and flesh things out. And that is so freaking cool um, to hear where everyone's going with their stories and, and, and what's coming down the pipe. But then you know push comes to shove sometimes. When the stories have come, it's like, oh, I know what's going to happen. Does that change my expectations of it? And, and, and it absolutely does. But then now I've learned to appreciate the art more and the, you know, the dialogue and, and how the story is told versus what the ending is going to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I mean, I would imagine, yeah, you, you appreciate it in
0: a different way. Because it's like when you're a kid and you read these stories, you're not thinking about the guy who pitched it at a story meeting. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, this is what's happening to Spider-Man this month. You know, but when you have that, you know, that inside perspective, it changes it. But you just can appreciate it, if, you know, in a different way. And I know about you guys, like
1: even as a kid, when I was reading those books, I wasn't, I wasn't super into who was drawing it on like an issue to issue basis. I mean, I've appreciated that more as I got older. But when I was reading like old Spider-Man comics in the nineties, it, it wasn't so much the the art versus the story. Uh, and now I think that's kind of flipped on its head. Uh, for me, and I really, really appreciate a good artist with good storytelling versus you know a good writer with a good plot. Um, but may- that's just, I guess, maybe that's my own personal preferences.
0: All right. Um, and actually, after you after you take a sip there, I do want to ask you one other one other piece related to your job because I you know we're friends on Facebook. I yeah, see absolutely. all the stuff you post. You've gotten to meet some pretty cool people. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. Who, I mean, who are some of the folks that you've, you've encountered? Um, I'm. Uh, a couple, you know, whenever there's a new Marvel Studios movie coming out uh, and, you know, the people will do the, the press rounds, um, you know, they'll, they'll come into the office sometimes. I got to meet Chris Pratt, which was really cool, and Zoe so Saldana when Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Um, Michael Douglas gave me a high five, which was pretty pretty sweet. Pretty
0: and you fun. met the Daredevil cast too, right? Yeah, that was awesome.
1: Cause oh, as was a Daredevil fan. As I mentioned before, I'm a huge, huge Daredevil fan, and I was, I was wearing... Um, my, my Mark Wade I'm not Daredevil shirt from his, from his run and I, I went and you know met Charlie Cox the, uh, and you know was just talking to him for a little bit about Daredevil and you know I asked him to take a picture with me and uh, he, he took a picture with me and the shirt says I'm not Daredevil and as as I've got my arm around to take the picture he puts his hand over <laughs> the I'm not part and he was like you can be Daredevil for this picture and I I like <laughs> I I may have pooped my pants that was That's very. A- very cool. cool. Awesome. You can you can see in this picture he's like he's got a grin on it and I'm like light. I'm like oh my god. Um, so yeah, that, that was very very cool. For me. Well, I'm curious because I
0: again I see all the pictures that you post. Are you are you like oh well, you know for marketing purposes we need to get a picture
1: or no no <laughs> like, I, I just fanboy the hell out. I'm like uh, uh, can we take a picture? And it's, sometimes I'm weird about it, but yeah.
0: No, yeah. well, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's it's definitely got its moments.
0: Yeah. Uh, well now, I do want to turn turn back to you, Brian, and this paper that you have here, the list. Oh, well, it's been adjusted over the years. And it's still pretty bad,
2: though, actually. Now I'm missing. I gotta miss, go back and make some X's, but because I have a lot of missing issues, I haven't gotten. Because there was a purge and a move, and actually missing books again, <coughs> believe it or not, it's like, oh man, keep getting it back in. Now,
0: this is the master list of older comics that you are tracking down. The last time I saw this list, if I'm not mistaken, it was handwritten. Now it's uh, typed, so it's... Oh, uh, you know. well, yes.
2: Well, maybe since you... There was, there's been three typed versions since the handwritten version. Okay,
0: <laughs> so it's, it's been a while. And It has been revised. It's definitely shorter than it used and to be. A lot shorter. Alright, so... Well, what, it's more realistic, but it's... And the stuff that I just figured
2: out was gonna have it and I can make a of but uh, it starts off with the flash from the old flash. Now, I have not gone through the old flashes that I have, but it's only a couple of issues. Um, flash flashes is, I always said like my top favorite, you know, characters was Batman, the Joker, Captain America, Thor and the Flash. Those are my
0: top five. Like there's other great characters in there, but um I
2: don't
0: now I don't see any Batman stuff on here. Is that because you already have the stuff that you want? Yeah. yeah. I, I have
2: most of the Batman stories that I have. I have like I have all my complete ones. I mean, would I love to have the earlier, early stuff? Absolutely. But I'm not I can't afford stuff from you know the 40s. You know, it's way too expensive. It's just it's not realistic. Really, it's just not really no, not and not on my salary. If I hit a lot, all bets are off. But uh, I definitely
0: would go by, go to Heritage and be like, oh, I want this, this, this. The version that i saw it was it was very ambitious i mean you had most of the <laughs> most of the, you know major marvel characters you had you know the earliest issues on there mm. i always thought it was funny though that you listed them because i'm like you would know like if you ever get amazing fantasy 15 like you you know yeah. you don't need to cross it off
2: All right
0: <laughs> so like i understand why you would want to own these comics right like mm. that's never anything that i necessarily pursue but it's like i get it But it's like it's hard sometimes to Explain why like what could because all of these things are most of them anyway You can get them in a reprinted version. You can Christ. get the hard covers Christ. But what is it about having that original because I've really been thinking me, about it. Yeah For
2: me, it's having the original. For me, I, I was always one of the, like I like original like everything I don't like reprinted anything. Uh, everything That's I have right. is first edition, you know First copy, first printing. If I had any second printings of anything, I got rid of them. If I had any like I do upgrade. Uh, the older books, for me, it is a nostalgia book because just the way, even the way it's held in my hand, just the the way the paper actually felt—it's like it's it's paper, it's mm-hmm. newsprint.
0: But so so you so you have the nostalgia though, even for books that you weren't. It's not like you read them when you were a kid and then you wanted to get them no, again. Just, I, I, it, it I Just, I, but it takes you to that time. Yeah, it
2: just takes it. Take, I, I like that you know feeling of having a sense of.
0: I guess being in a different age, really, it, it, it really is like a different age, like time, like you're like traveling to a different time and
2: it's Maybe or maybe, maybe even a happier
0: medium when things were simpler, you know, like because I because I remember when I was
2: younger, because when I, again when I went to my godmother's son's house and you know his room and got these books, the books were lying on the floor. They'd be grimy. They would they, they wouldn't be bagged and boarded like everything is now. They the covers would be you know, they would the crayons and stuff everywhere, like, they, there was, like, a gritty feel to the book, and I was like, alright, this is real, this is, you know, this is not like, I don't know, I, I really don't know how to explain it, this is like, it, it was substantial to me just to have something in my hand that was like, I enjoy, and it's just like, okay, cool, don't bother me for half an hour, let me read my book, and I'll be on my way, As you know, and, like, now, for the older books, the older books
0: is more of because I, I, like, I appreciate it more than I do the new books. Uh, I mean, I guess sort of going back to the, you know, the history of it, is, is there any historical component for you where you feel like you own a piece absolutely, of the history? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. What is your... I mean, if, is there one like prized issue that you own?
2: I own a couple of... Well, my early Thor's I love. I love how, that I have a lot of the early journeys. There's actually a Journey 83 here today. That I'm, I might pick up. It's, at a, it's, it's graded at 5.5. I don't know if, if I can negotiate a good price, I'll, I'll definitely pick it
0: up. Uh, I do own an Adventures 4, which is our first Casper in So now you have trimmed down your list Absolutely. a bit. So it was just a matter of, you know, some things so, might have been a little too ambitious, you think? It's just. Yay. Or is it just easier to focus on, you know, a smaller number of runs? Because it was, again, it was pretty yeah, well, comprehensive. Well, I mean, I had all of
2: Fantastic Four, I had all of, sure, I had all of Spider-Man, and <laughs> I, had, I had a lot, and but... Now it's just on focus on what
1: I actually genuinely enjoy and what I like. I mean, I respect the people who go to great lengths to collect a mass, a massive collection because it's a lot of upkeep to it Too, you got to keep it in like a very specific temperature room with not a lot of humidity, and you got to have a lot of space and you gotta time get the Mylar. and the money. And, the Mylar. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, God forbid, you know, you got to get those fireproof cabinets just in case you never know. Yeah, yeah that's uh, crazy. I, know. I just, I could never do that.
0: Brian just throws them under his bed. Right? No,
1: well, at one point my
2: collection, I had a, my collection is far smaller than it was. It's about nine long boxes now, so that's that's it. It's not a big collection at all. So I had twenty-seven long boxes in total. My parents were going nuts, obviously. So I, no, that's furniture long. at that point. Yeah, I mean, my my, that's a my, couch. my, my I have I had, my. It was funny because in my parents' house, like I literally took over three rooms. I slept in one room. I had like a storage room all of all stuff, and then I had an upstairs office which literally had half my low boxes there. So when I moved out, they're like, you're taking it all with you. And obviously I couldn't fit it all into an apartment, so a lot of it went. So that's why I, got, I generally got rid of, and but like half of what I had was, as I said, garbage. It was all stuff that's not worth anything. Stuff that I picked up, I mean, I know, I, I mean, I gave a lot of it away, which I was happy to give away because I'd rather someone
1: read it and enjoy it. Moving will really change the way you think about being a comic book. Living on yeah. your own <laughs> and <staying laughs> your own. paying
2: a mortgage will really make you reevaluate what you have, what your priorities.
0: Yep, are. absolutely. Yeah, I identify with that a lot because when I moved two years ago, it was my first move since I was eight. And I took everything with me, all the paperbacks and statues. And then I was like, I don't want to do this again. So, I mean, I've gotten rid of probably about half of my trades and half of my statues. But sort of, I'm at the point now where I've only kept the statues that I I really like. And every now and then I'll I'll buy one. But again, I don't feel like I need to buy every Batman black and white statue. Because it's, you know, that line and I have to have every one in that series. So... In that sense, it's like I don't have the intensity of the passion, which I do miss a little bit, but I feel like I am able to, again, just get the things that uh, that I really like, and I'm happy about that. Well, I want to thank both of you guys for being a part of this and talking about your history as collectors. I want to thank everyone for coming out today. Thank you very much for being part of this live episode. Thank you, Flat Squirrel.